The Old Testament reading for this, the sixth Sunday after Pentecost, comes from the prophet Zechariah, the ninth chapter. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion! Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem! Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the war horse from Jerusalem, and the battle bow shall be cut off, and he shall speak peace to the nations. His rule shall be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. As for you also, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. Return to your stronghold, O prisoners of hope. Today I declare that I will restore to you double. This is the word of the Lord. O oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. For from him and through him and to him are all things. The epistle reading comes from Paul's letter to the church in Rome, the seventh chapter. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold under sin. I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind, and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. And this is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel, which serves as the text for our sermon this morning, comes to us according to St. Matthew, the 11th chapter. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father. And no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is the gospel of our Lord. Grace, Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. 
Rest for your soul. That's what you and I need, whether we think we do or not. Rest for our souls. Jesus promises that rest in our text for today from Matthew 11. And what's more is that he even gives it to us in his word this morning. Rest for our souls. This rest is the forgiveness of our sins, peace with God, and the eternal rest of life with our Lord in heaven. Now, the particular sin that we need forgiveness for and rest from that our text talks about this morning is the sin of our prideful human wisdom and understanding. Immediately preceding our text, Jesus condemns the Galilean cities of Chorazin, Bethsaida, and Capernaum, for in their pride they refused to repent of their sins and believe in Christ. Thus, Jesus begins our text for today by praying to his heavenly Father, saying, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. To the wise and understanding, these things, probably best understood as God's gracious plan of salvation in Christ, these things are hidden. For in their pride, they think they have no need of Christ, no need to repent. They think they'll be just fine on their own. The salvation of Christ things are hidden from them. But God reveals these things to little children, that is, to those who know that they aren't truly wise and understanding, to those who have been humbled by God's law and repent. They are ready to receive the gospel. Well, are you wise and understanding, or are you foolish? We read in 1 Corinthians 1 that Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Too often, we seek the wisdom of the Gentiles, and maybe even take pride in our worldly wisdom. Starting with myself, we pastors and theologians take pride in how wise we are. We know God's word so well and can answer any tough theological question. In our pride, we forget that we need the rest of God's forgiveness. All of you who are longtime Christians, you're in church every Sunday, even serve in the church, give good offerings. Now, these are all very good things, of course, just like pastors knowing God's word is a good thing. But sometimes we get 
proud of how we're good and wise Christians, and in our pride, we forget that we daily need the rest of God's forgiveness for our sins. And all of us, the older we get, the wiser we get, right? But in our wisdom, we enjoy judging the younger ones. After all, we've been there, done that. We know how life works. And in our pride, we forget that we daily need the rest of God's forgiveness for our sins. In our pride, we are busy being ourselves, even exalting ourselves, and we often don't rest to really hear God's word, including God's word of law, which condemns us for our sinful pride. But this morning, be still and know that God is God. He is the only one who is truly wise, not any of us. He is the only true judge, and this morning he first judges us for our prideful sin and says, repent, just as Jesus said 2,000 years ago to those Galilean cities. Don't harden your hearts this morning as they did then. Come to Jesus first to repent. Yes, confess your sin. Admit that before God you're really just a little child who can only depend every day on God's mercy and grace. Admit that your prideful wisdom and understanding are merely foolishness before God. But after you come to Jesus to confess your sins, as we actually already did this morning earlier in the service, Come again and receive his forgiveness. Jesus says, Come to me, you who labor and are heavy laden with the yoke of your sins that you just confessed. Come and I will give you rest, forgiveness for your sins. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. As you take Jesus' yoke upon you, you are thus connected to Christ. Your initial yoke connection happened, of course, in your baptism. Galatians says that when you were baptized, you were clothed with Christ or yoked with Christ, Romans and Colossians say that in baptism you died, were buried, and were then raised together with Christ. Being thus connected to Christ, first of all, means that your sins are forgiven. Again, in baptism, you already received the punishment for your sins, for you died with Christ. But then you were raised to life again with him, completely free of your sins now. Now, while we can always return to our baptisms and know that our sins are always forgiven, God gives even more forgiveness this morning here in this place. In the absolution that you heard earlier from your pastor, every time you come and receive the sacrament of Christ's body and blood for the forgiveness of your sins. Yes, Jesus says, 
come and receive rest. And you have indeed come to him this morning, and he gives you the rest of forgiveness. Yes, your sins are forgiven. Our epistle for today from Romans 7 gives a great example of one man, the Apostle Paul's, struggle with sin, but then his receiving freedom from that sin, forgiveness, because of his connection to Christ. Picking up the text in verse 21, we read, So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. And if we then jump to the first verse of chapter 8, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Yes, being in Christ Jesus or connected to Christ Jesus or yoked to Christ Jesus means that there is now no condemnation for sinners like Paul and you and me. At this point, it must be said that taking Jesus' yoke upon you not only means that your sins are forgiven, that's certainly most important and always true, but it also does mean that in your daily life, you will sometimes bear your own cross, just as Jesus, whom you are connected to, bore his cross. And that is sometimes a difficult yoke to bear. The last few weeks in our gospel readings, Jesus has said over and over again how Christians will indeed suffer for his sake. But this yoke of suffering is truly light, especially when compared to the weight of your sins. And furthermore, as we'll hear in two weeks from Romans chapter 8, the sufferings of our present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed in us. As you know, I'm a missionary to Taiwan, and I'd like to give you an example of one woman in Taiwan, Ying Tong, who truly found rest for her soul. For 15 years, Ying Tong was a very devout Buddhist. She went to class and learned from her Buddhist teachers, and over and over again they taught her and told her how she needed to serve and help other people, and especially how she needed to get rid of all the evil desires in her heart. Well, she tried very hard, but more and more she came to the conclusion that she just couldn't do it. She had no rest at all. And actually, she was pretty sure that her teachers couldn't do it either. No rest for anyone. Until one day, somebody brought into their Buddhist gathering a stack of copies of the Gospel according to Matthew. Don't know who brought them in, but Ying Tong took one home, and she read it in one sitting, and she literally cried and said, This is the God I want to believe in. And she waited for a Christian, any Christian, to invite her to church, any church. Well, there's only about 3 or 4% Christians in Taiwan, 
So it took a while for her to come and meet a Christian who invited her to church. She waited two years until one day she was taking the public bus to the market to buy food. And it just so happened that my wife was on that bus as well. And uh, as you'll hear from the presentation in a little bit, my wife likes to talk to strangers. <laughs> and so on that public bus, finally a Christian invited Ingtong to church. And she came to church very soon. And after she was introduced, after worship, she then said to the group, I want to be baptized. Well, she continued coming to church. She took a pre-baptism class and then was indeed baptized. She received rest for her souls. Well, that was three and a half years ago. And I want to give you an update from a couple of months ago. It was during a Bible class, and she announced to the group that uh, I have a confession to make. Actually, the first couple years after I was baptized, I was still just checking you out. <laughs> she said, I was, I was trying to see whether Christianity really is different than the, from the Buddhism that I was so familiar with. I wanted to see if Christians really are different than Buddhists. Now, I believe that when she was baptized, God did give her faith. She was a Christian. These are her own words that she was just checking us out. But then she said, I've come to the conclusion that yes, Christianity and Buddhism are different. Christians are different than Buddhists. Now she said, first of all, I can tell that you Christians, in many ways, you're like Buddhists because you can't do it either. <laughs> but, you know, like Jesus tells us, and God's word tells us how we should live as good Christians and we don't do it so often. But the difference is, is that Christians freely confess and admit that you can't do it. In fact, every time you come together for worship, that's the first thing you do. You confess your sins. But then, of course, what's even more amazing and what's even more different is that after you confess your sins, there is forgiveness. Forgiveness is unheard of in Buddhism. The rest for our souls, because Jesus already paid the price for our sins, that rest is incredible and different than anything she ever experienced. She certainly has rest now. Another example, also from a few months ago, Ingtong took a friend of hers to a Taoist temple to worship. And after she did that, she felt very guilty. I just took somebody to a temple to worship idols. She felt very bad. She came to my wife and, and told her how she felt, and then later she came to me. And I, of course, I forgave her sins. I, can, I forgave her sins in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And relief comes over her face. Rest for her souls. Yes, indeed, in Christ there is true rest. The rest of forgiveness for all who are in Christ, like Ingtong. Yes, so in Christ then your souls now do have rest. Your sins of pride and all your other sins are forgiven. You need not worry nor fear. Yes, this morning you are able once again to dump off the yoke of your sin and take up Christ's easy yoke on yourself. For Christ, 2,000 years ago, first took that heavy yoke of your sin upon himself and let that yoke crush him on the cross. But God then raised him from the dead and the yoke of your sins was broken forever. You are forgiven you are free. You have rest for your souls. 
And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.